Today's sermon comes from Matthew's Gospel, the 28th chapter, verses 16 through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, Tomorrow... I am to meet with the, all of the employees of a startup, tech startup here in, in Atlanta that I know the young man from college days that uh, has begun. And I, when he invited me, he said, uh, uh, I want you to come and speak on our mission statement. And I said, well, now you are aware that I'm clergy and I've never actually worked anywhere. Um, where you had to show up and do heavy lifting and that kind of thing. So he said, yeah, but we want you to, I want you to talk on our mission statement. I said, great, I will take that as my text. And he said, uh, I said, what is the point of a mission statement? And he said, well, a mission statement is an assertion of our core values. It's that which keeps our company uh, it, it's kind of the guardrails for us that keeps us focused. And uh, I thought about that task and how different the one is today but because of the difference in our mission statement. We have, the church has a mission statement. Just heard it read in the scripture this morning. And it's not so much to keep us in line, to keep us in the guardrails, but it's to knock the guardrails down and to get us out into threatening, risky territory. You, you heard Jesus at the end of his earthly ministry, just before his ascension, after his resurrection. He gathers with his disciples and he says to them, all right, now, the most important thing for me is I want you to get some real estate. And uh, remember, location, location. And uh, uh, when you go to the bank, tell them you're an Elamostenia organization because they'll cut you a better deal on the loan. And uh, no, he says, go, get out of here. Stop squatting around here and get out of here. And make disciples. I'm not satisfied with you 12, I mean, now 11. Get out of here. (laughs) And baptize and teach, and lo, I am with you always into the end of the world just to make sure you do it. That's that's our mission statement. And to worship Jesus Christ means you got to worship the one who commanded that. Uh, And that can be a challenge. Uh, I remember showing a student around Duke Chapel, where I spent most of my ministry, uh, a place, a room that reminds me a great deal of this one in the Gothic architecture and stained glass. And uh, 
So I was showing the student around, and after I pointed out the glass and the statues, and I, I said, any, any questions? He said, yeah. How come y'all uh, bolt down all the furniture here? He said, do people try to steal this? And I said, no. Uh, if you knew more about Jesus, you'd know why we bolt down the furniture in this place. It's because uh, Jesus is constantly on the move, and uh, we have found it helpful that when we worship Jesus, uh, it, it's good to know where we're all going to be at, at noon, because he has a way of relocating us. He has a way of driving us out and calling us forth and pushing us forward. So we find it helpful just to nail down a few things to keep some stability in this. Uh, first verse I ever committed to heart, I got a quarter for it, was John 3.16. For God so loved people like me, people who look a lot like me and me, that he gave his only begotten son. No. God uh, did not die for the church. God thinks he owns it all. For God so loved the world. Uh, and I'm telling you, that's one of the greatest challenges of being a Christian or being church is that expansive, on the move, out of here, uh, relocating quality of salvation in Jesus Christ. I tell you what I can observe my time as bishop, looking at churches, watching churches thrive, or decline, and most churches in my denomination are declining. Uh, from what I can observe, the, the key life and death thing for a church is a kind of inner outer dynamic. Uh, it's so easy to get confused into thinking that church is kind of what we do here, that, that what we want to do is develop a a well-functioning, uh, friendly, welcoming uh, group of people. And let me tell you, I've uh, been around here for the morning, and you are a friendly, welcoming, warm group of people. Unfortunately, with Jesus Christ, that's not good enough. It's the inner outer. And any church that get confused about the mission, and the word mission comes from Latin, missio, sit sent, that any church that gets confused about that, it's tough. I went out to a little church in Alabama, and they got gotten word that we were going to have to close them at annual conference. I was kind of surprised. I looked ahead and saw that their Sunday attendance the year before was about 65 people. Uh, I thought, gee, they can kind of limp along with 65 people. Now they're closing. So I went and asked the pastor, I said, what, to help me understand what happened here that led you from, uh, this church is 100 years old and now you're closing? And he said, I think what happened was Luke 15. 
I said, Luke 15, what is that? He said, you know, you know the story. What Jesus says he did, he is bored with the 99 who are too uncreative to wander anywhere. We didn't have 99, but we had an average about 55. And uh, he gets bored with that. And he goes out and beats the bushes and abandons the 99 in the wilderness. And he just keeps searching and searching and searching till he finds that one lost sheep. The tragedy is that when he gets that one lost sheep and brings it back, we won't be here. He's pretty rough on those who refuse to get out with him. And, oh, that can be a challenge. Uh, people would sometimes ask me when I was bishop uh, in Alabama, what do you miss most about your uh, life in academia as opposed to your life now as a, uh, a church bureaucrat? And I would, uh, I, I thought about that, and I said, you know, I think the thing I miss most about Duke University is the Duke University Office of Undergraduate Admissions. Because through their vetting and their good work, they ensured that I would spend all day, every day, with people who thought and acted just like me. And it was wonderful. Uh, oh, we, we had differences of gender and race and background and everything, but generally all of us had been equally successful in manipulating the American educational system to our personal advancement. And it was great. <laughs> but down here in the church, in the church, we got to find a way to work with anybody that Jesus Christ drags in the door. And that's hard. You won't be, believe some of the people he would actually die for. I, it's, it's shocking. Uh, and this church, though you don't, you don't know it right at the first, but uh, from my, y'all are messing with my stereotypes of disciples of Christ people, but this church has in its DNA that vision, Alexander Campbell, that vision that God has no grandchildren there are no second-generation Christians. I don't care how good your parents were. No, that the church is whoever God constitutes the church to be. In every generation, God calls forth the ones that God wants to be in God's mission. And um, what a stunning vision. But sometimes a a challenging vision to lead up to. In a sense, everybody here today has been an immigrant. None of you were born into Christianity. You can't do that. You had to come across the borders. Somebody had to love you enough to tell you this weird story about that God so loved the world that, and, and brought you into this faith. We're all doc undocumented immigrants until Jesus Christ. A and then we who are enemies, outsiders, aliens, by his grace got brought in. I, uh, 
I tried to explain this to Methodist Jeff Sessons when I was in Alabama, and uh, I'm sorry that his boss called him an idiot, okay? He's the only Methodist we got in the administration. So, uh, but I, I said to Jeff, I said, Jeff, I and all the Methodist Alabama want to thank you for protecting the borders of Alabama, the ones we have with Mexico. Thank you. I know that took courage. Um, now, what I said to him is, Jeff, you know, we're Methodist. We've lost two and a half million members um, in the years that I have been leading this church. And um, we're, we're losing members, particularly among my racial group. We're declining every year among my racial group. The only group we're growing in is among Spanish speakers, Spanish-speaking Methodists. If somebody's going to build a wall or something, let it be a Baptist. It cannot be a Methodist. Because we need these people. These people are keeping us afloat. We've got to have these people. Um, not once was Jesus Christ ever in trouble uh, for restricting access to his grace. Not once did anybody accuse him of raising the bar too high, of locking the door too tight. No, you know, he, he, he got into trouble because he embodied not only God's open-handed generosity, but also God's determination to have a people, to have a family, God's active going out and finding. If we had the time this morning, I'm sure if we went around the room, you, could, you yourselves are a demonstration. Uh, somehow Jesus Christ found a way to get over any walls you had put up and get in there and weasel his way into your heart and help you hear that this good news is good news for you. The test of a faithful church is not how warm and friendly we are or how clean the bathrooms are. I mean, the test is um, for you to be able to sit around on a Sunday morning and look around, you know, and see a people gathered that there is no adequate sociological, economic, psychological, political explanation for their being so gathered that you, you just got to believe Jesus has done what he does, and that is to keep reaching out and, and bringing in. And one of the reasons we read scripture on Sunday morning is to keep church as difficult as Jesus means it to be. And to keep from bedding down, to keep from contentment, to keep pushing, exploring the boundaries, to keep having those moments when we find ourselves out with a group of people or out doing something or out talking it up with somebody and there's no way to explain how we got out there other than Jesus ordered us there. Uh, in prep of me for my one time giving advice to American business tomorrow, uh, this young executive uh, said, uh, 
You know, you can always tell a failing business by how many meetings they have. I said, oh Lord, the picture of the Methodist church becomes clearer. Uh, <laughs> and he says, a business in trouble has lots of meetings where you sit around and blame each other for the failing business uh, rather than go out and get customers. Uh, we're not just invited in, we're also sent out. And one problem is, I bet there are too many of us, us here this morning who cannot remember when we weren't a Christian. And so we get confused into thinking of very undisciples of Christ thought. And that is maybe we're here because of our family or our neighborhood. or um, Well, as a bishop, kind of my main job was to receive angry letters from people like you uh, complaining about their clergy. You know, the typical letter was, well, Bishop, once again, you've screwed up and you've sent us the wrong pastor and that kind of thing. And so I got this letter and it said, hey, our preacher has been seen on a number of occasions by a number of people in this town in this bar in town. Two nights a week, he is regularly in this bar. And it's not just a bar either. It's one of those bars. <laughs> it surprised me a little bit because I'd met the preacher and he seemed kind of mild-mannered and everything. So I called him and I said, hey, you know, it doesn't bother me that much because I'm so open-minded and all, but uh, <laughs> a lot of these laity, you know, these laity, they're conservative and all, and um, they, they say that you're in this bar two nights a week. And he said, Bishop, that's not true. And I said, oh, okay, good, good. He said, I'm, I'm using there three nights a week. <laughs> and uh, I said, you know, it doesn't bother me, but these laity, you know. And uh, I, I said, what you're doing there? And he said, well, I mean, one thing, I got so tired of not having a good conversation about anything important with the people in my church. And I love to talk, so I went out there and I've met some of those interesting people. And the discussion is always theological. And uh, he said, another thing, I don't know if you've noticed, but our, we've had two baptisms by profession of faith this year. And both of those, that's, by the way, two more than we've had in the last three years before I got here. Um, both of those baptisms stem from conversations that Jesus just kind of worked up in that bar. I said, oh. He said, look, Bishop, I'll make a deal with you. If you can figure out a way to keep Jesus Christ out of that bar, I'll stay out of that bar. 